drink and dance all night. Now let's talk of diapers and pacifiers and our pants are feeling tight. Bottle service with BKP. Bottle service with BKP. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Bottle Service Podcast. I'm your girl, Sarah Merrill Hall, currently in the fourth trimester currently sleep deprived and delirious, but what else is new? All right. So I remember back when I was still pregnant, I kept thinking like, all right, when I get handed this baby, like, what do I do? Like, what do those first few days even look like? And I would get so frustrated because I feel like I never really got a clear answer. I mean, I would look for articles or books, but everything was kind of about, you know, that full fourth trimester in general. And I just wanted someone to tell me like what the fuck to do in those first few days after giving birth. And now that I'm past that period of time, I mean, I can tell you the first week is really its own entity. Like I could honestly structure this entire season on just the first week alone. I mean, it's insane. You're in the hospital, you're bringing your baby home, you're learning how to take care of this thing on your own with no nurses or medical staff around. You're navigating visitors, you're recovering from birth, you're not sleeping. And it's just a lot. Like it's a lot. And honestly, it's also kind of a blur. But for this episode, I just wanted to talk about some things for that first week, like some things that helped me survive, some things I wish I did differently. And obviously, everybody's first week home is going to look completely different. I mean, that's like one thing I've actually really been thinking about with the second season of this podcast. Like, everybody's birth, everybody's baby, everybody's postpartum experience is going to be completely different. And stuff that works for me, you know, may not work for you, but hey, at least we can kind of commiserate together, right? So let's get into those early, early days. I'm talking what happens the moment they hand you that baby. Okay, so let's go back to day one of your baby's life. You just delivered. I mean, (laughs) hopefully your delivery was pretty good. It might not have been so good. I mean, there's a million things that can happen. So everybody's going to feel different in this moment. But at least for me, like the moments after, not after delivery, but after I was handed my baby and I, I had those first few moments of just having him in my arms. I mean, like the only word I could use to describe it was just euphoric. Like I, I was... It is a feeling unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life, probably that I ever will experience in my life. Like it is, I feel like all my dopamine and serotonin receptors in my brain were just popping off. Like I was on cloud nine, just like looking at his little face in awe. Like it was, it truly was like a euphoric, euphoric experience. And I remember getting wheeled into our hospital room and Brandon and I just like, looking at this baby for what felt like hours. But pretty quickly uh, after you're, you know, wheeled into your room, I remember a nurse popping in and being like, all right, are you ready to breastfeed? (laughs) And and just like that, like shit starts getting real, you know? Um, And I'm going to actually have to do an entire episode on breastfeeding because there is so much to talk about there. But uh, I just remember those first few moments of like, you know, trying to learn 
when you have this baby in your arms. It's just like, it's just boom, things are happening fast. So I will say one thing that stands out to me from our stay in the hospital, uh, and this isn't just about breastfeeding, but like every single nurse gave us different advice on everything. Like, especially on breastfeeding, every nurse, like, you know, you have nurses in the hospital for, you know, you have a day shift nurse and a night shift nurse. So we were there for three days. I think we had like six or seven different nurses and every single one of them gave us different advice on how to breastfeed and on how like to do other things too with our baby. And Brandon and I, I remember like when we were leaving the hospital, we were just scratching our heads. We're like, we're more confused now than we were before coming to the hospital. Uh, but that was surprising to me. Like I I just remember, you know, kind of feeling really confused um, when it came to everything when I was still in the hospital. And one thing that also I remember from our hospital stay is, and I feel like nobody told me this before going in, and it's probably because everybody forgets this afterwards, but I was like, I want to make a mental note of this because this is crazy, is every few hours a nurse comes into your room and like has to press down on your stomach and try and get rid of some of the stuff that's like still in there. I don't know how nobody told me about this. Okay. Like, and I did research, you know, I did tons of research for the podcast and I never read this anywhere. It was kind of a surprise. And it's every few hours that a nurse is coming by and literally like pressing down on your stomach to get like all this gook blood and gook out of you and I mean I just had a c-section so my stomach was like pretty raw I honestly don't remember what it felt like I was pretty pretty drugged up at this uh at this point in time but Brandon remembers Brandon's like whoa there was a lot of stuff coming out of there and actually that brings me to another point about the hospital stay is wow your partner is going to see some shit like whatever, however comfortable you guys were with each other before going to the hospital for birth. Like you're leaving that hospital with a whole new level of, uh, of understanding. And I, I don't even know, like I, there were several times where I was just like, I can't believe like Brandon is seeing this. And and is just like all up in there. Like he was all, he was like seeing all of this stuff getting pushed out of my stomach. That was one thing. I remember at a certain point I was, I was having trouble breastfeeding. And I remember there was a certain point I had like three nurses and Brandon like holding my boob, like Brandon sitting there, like squeezing my nipple, like trying to get milk to come out. Like, I'm like, this is crazy. And then like, I also showered in the hospital. So like Brandon was the one who like got down in there and had to like take my diaper off. And, you know, when I like helped me dry off and put my diaper back on and get my pad situated, he cleaned out my like toilet pan whenever it was like filled to the brim with like blood and urine. He, he really, he really got in there. So tip of my hat to all you partners out there who witnessed some shit, who witnessed some shit in the hospital um, and and may never uh, have those images uh, cleared from your brain. But yeah, you and your partner are going to be on a whole new level after after this whole experience. 
We all know that your skin goes through a lot of changes during motherhood. Um, that is the understatement of the year. So I'm excited to tell you about Nima. It's a mom-founded and mom-tested clean skincare brand formulated specifically for pregnancy and postpartum mamas. So I'm just going to tell you, I personally use and love this brand. You may have heard me talk about them last season when I was pregnant. I use the stretch mark cream on my pregnant belly, and I actually still use it on my postpartum belly and boobs. They also have an incredible scar treatment product and nipple and lip balm that I have been loving. All of their products are dermatologist approved, hypoallergenic, vegan, and just feels so good on your skin. Their ingredients are incredible. I mean, this is a luxury skincare brand made by moms for moms, and they are known for getting results. The revitalizing stretch mark cream is proven to decrease stretch mark color by 62% after four weeks, and the restorative scar treatment is proven to decrease roughness by 44% after 30 days and decrease redness by 47% in just eight days. You guys know I had a C-section. I have been using the scar treatment on my scar, but you can actually use it on any scar, like old or new. You can even use it on your kids' scrapes when they get those. Their products are extremely hydrating and nourishing, and a portion of every sale supports the organization Every Mother Counts, which helps provide maternal health to marginalized communities. I mean, talk about a win-win, guys. I am truly so happy and honored to partner with Nima this season and love that I can pass on a little discount code just for our listeners. Just head to Nima.com. That's N-E-M-A-H.com and use the code BIGKID at checkout for 15% off. It is a great way to treat yourself or any other mom friend of yours. Again, just head to Nima.com and use code BIGKID for 15% off. Enjoy. So I was in the hospital for three days because I had a C-section. You're in there like one extra day. Um, And I have to say too, one thing that surprised me, because I remember, you know, back when I was pregnant, there's so much planning that goes into like your hospital bag and the outfits you're going to bring and all of this stuff. And I, I remember I was so stressed out packing for the hospital and I definitely overpacked. And I honestly changed maybe once the entire stay. And then I changed again to like actually leave the hospital, but like I barely changed. I don't think I used like 80% of the stuff I brought with me. Um, I was pretty much just like laid up in bed those full three days. So that I thought was kind of surprising and I'm sorry. I know I'm a little all over the place, but another thing that I remember from our hospital stay or actually it was like right after our hospital stay. Like when I got home, I don't know if anybody else experienced this, but like I grew a full mustache in the hospital. Like, I don't know if it's like a hormonal thing or what was going on, but I was only in that hospital for three days and I came home and I looked at my magnifying mirror and I had a stash. Okay. And like a pretty much a goatee. Like there was like a whole fucking like forest of chin hairs there. So if I could go back, I would have like not packed like four outfits for the hospital. I would have packed some fucking tweezers. Another thing um, that's standing out to me about our hospital stay is um, I remember being so excited about like my first meal after giving birth. I was like, I'm going to get like the best sushi roll in town. I can't wait for sushi. It's going to be so good. I've waited 
fucking almost 10 full months to have a sushi roll. And I, I talked about it at length. Like I wanted a sushi roll and I wanted like a margarita in the hospital. And let me tell you, when it came time to have my first meal, Brandon actually like went and got me a good, like a sushi roll from a good place in town. I couldn't even look at it. Like, I think I was still like, I don't know. You're, you're hot. I was hopped up on a lot of drugs, a lot of painkillers from surgery. And I think like mixed with like adrenaline of holding my new baby. Like I just like nothing was settling in my stomach. Like I didn't really want to eat. I mean, I, I think I ate like a little bit um, like, a, like some fruit or something like that. But I really just like didn't have an appetite. And I like I tried to have one like bite of a sushi roll and was like, oh, this is like the worst thing that I could have ordered to the hospital. Honestly, it was kind of gross. And what's funny is I also vividly remember while I was like sitting there, like I couldn't stomach like the sight or smell of food. Brandon had like ordered himself like a full filet mignon supper, like a full on dinner filet mignon like mashed potatoes like a like a a whole fancy ass meal I'm surprised the guy didn't like light up a cigar in the hospital room I guess he's like celebrating the birth of his son and he just like really really went for it but here I am like literally after being cut in half post-surgery unable to move catheter in unable to look at my sushi roll and Brandon is like chowing down on a fucking filet like next to me, just all smiles, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's a core memory. That's, that's really, uh, in there from my hospital stay. They also in the hospital give you um, a form. I don't know, maybe it's different in different States, but for me, they gave me like a questionnaire for, uh, it's like a postpartum depression screening. And it's kind of a weird, like the way the questions are formatted, they're kind of weird. And it, and it says on there, it's like rank these from the last seven days, like not just how you feel today, but how you felt over the last seven days. So that was kind of confusing because how I felt like seven days prior before I gave birth when I was still pregnant was so different than how I felt after giving birth. Like it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, I talked a little bit about having prenatal depression while I was pregnant. I don't think I realized how bad it was until after I gave birth. There's like a meme out there. That's basically like, you don't know you have uh, seasonal depression until like the sun is out in March and you feel like the weight lift off of your shoulders. Like that's kind of how I felt. Um, holding my baby. Like I literally felt like a 60 pound weight was lifted off of my body. And I didn't realize like how kind of depressed I was my entire pregnancy until it was gone. I was like, holy shit, seven days ago, I was like not doing so great. And how I felt now, um, what at the time I was filling out that form was totally different. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I was still, I was very, I I recognize this. Um, I was pretty emotional in the hospital. And actually I remember one of the nurses said that to me. She's like, Oh yeah. She's like, you're going to be pretty weepy for like a few weeks. And that was very spot on. Like I, I was just, I could, I'm not a crier. Like I never, like I never really cry that much. Um, And I cried pretty much every day for like three weeks after giving birth, but not like sad tears. They were mostly happy tears, to be honest. Like I would just like look at my baby and like look at his like tiny little head that was fitting in the palm of my hand. 
And I would just cry because I would be like, I know his head is not going to fit in the palm of my hand that much longer. Like it was, it was just such like a mad, it's just, it's hard to explain, but I was definitely, definitely weepy and definitely very sentimental and emotional, but not depressed, like not sad. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was a little confused filling out that questionnaire, but it made me realize like I, I felt pretty good actually in comparison to how I felt before giving birth. So that was kind of the hospital stay. I mean, again, I could harp on our hospital stay for like a really long time, but there's so much to talk about guys. Like it's, it's crazy. But, um, I do remember leaving the hospital, going through discharge and Brandon and I getting in the car, putting Bodie in his car seat and plopping that sucker in and being like, holy shit, we are like actually bringing this kid home. Like it's just us now fuck (laughs) um but we get home we get home and it was really nice Brandon's mom like met us there so we walk into our house she's there and she had gotten our house cleaned for us anybody listening to this podcast if you want to get like a new a new set of parents a gift like getting their house cleaned that was the best thing anyone has ever done for us like coming home to a clean home because like it was a disaster like I mean our house is kind of always a disaster but it was so nice to like walk into our clean house with our new baby also we had gotten so many flowers delivered that's like something I didn't realize was a thing like everybody sends you flowers when you have a baby like our house smelled like a floral shop it was so nice um and Brandon's mom having Brandon's mom there was actually great because she is so comfortable with babies. I mean, she raised three kids and she just kind of like, I just remember getting home and you know, her kind of helping us out a little bit, getting acquainted, getting the baby home. Um, one thing I also was really excited about to get home and do was introduce our dog Tucker to Bodie. And that meeting kind of didn't go as planned to be honest um it was kind of weird like Tucker it was cute at first like we you know we brought this we we got I said we went in and said hi to Tucker first and then we brought the baby in so like you know we didn't just like walk right in with the baby but we bring the baby over in the carrier and he's like wagging his tail he knows like something's going on and he at first like meeting the baby it was super cute he was just like he was like whine- he was like wagging his tail, excited, a little nervous. Like he kind of was like whining a little bit, sniffing this baby and we're being careful. But like after the initial meeting, like our dog would not chill out. Like he was so hyper fixated on the baby. Like he was kind of like whining and kept trying to get to, to the baby. Um, and like, like if I was holding him, like Tucker would like be coming over and trying to like jump through my arms to like sniff the baby or lick the baby. And mind you, like I just had a huge surgery. I have no strength. I'm like, Brandon, you, you got to get this dog away from me, which is so sad because literally up until that moment, like Tucker was my life. Like he was my firstborn child. I'm, I'm obsessed with this dog. But when I came in there with my baby and I'm like, I, there's just like something going on in my brain where, you know, 30 pound dog trying to jump up on him. I'm like, I'm just like danger, like get this dog out of here. (laughs) I like poor Tucker, man. I was like, no. So Tucker was a little much to deal with the first week. And honestly, after like two or three days of being home with Tucker and he, you know, like wasn't 
like being normal. He was just like whining, howling a lot. Like every time the baby would cry, he would cry. He would always just try and lick the baby. Like every time like he got close enough to the baby, he would lick him, which is cute. I mean, we actually like Brandon looked it up and he said like a lot of dogs, they almost treat like having a new baby in the house, like a, a new member of their pack. And that's like what they do. Like if the new pack member cries, like they howl with the, with the new pack member to like initiate them I don't know we we looked it up and it was like he would that's kind of what he was doing but it just got to be a lot um for me especially recovering from surgery so we ended up like after two three days like sending Tucker to grandma's like he went to Brandon's mom's house and lived there for like four days so that I could just like recover and get some strength and like kind of you know have some time with our baby and just like get you know comfortable before we like brought him back into the mix and that's one thing our pediatrician told us too um every dog like even the best trained dogs um whenever you like introduce a baby into the house like they're all gonna kind of like react unpredictably so that's just something I don't know if anybody else went through that experience but it was a little it was a little weird it was a little touch and go for a minute there for sure so anyway we we're home we're all home, you know, eventually Brandon's mom leaves and it's just us, you know, with our baby. And to kind of go back to that whole, you know, when I was pregnant and feeling like, okay, like what the fuck do I do when we get the baby home? I mean, really what you do is like you just concentrate on feeding them every three hours. That's like really the only like instruction we got was to like make sure to feed them every three hours. And then also I think it helped knowing like what the four main reasons like why a newborn cries is. So that actually that actually came in handy a lot because there were so many times like I'd be holding the baby and he would start crying and I like would just kind of have a moment of panic like oh my god what do I do? And so knowing the four main reasons of why a newborn cries is just like I think a good hack to kind of have in your brain so you can kind of like go through really quick what it could be. So those four main reasons um, a newborn cries is they are either hungry, they're tired, they need a diaper change, or they need like attention or a cuddle. Those are like the four main things. And obviously there could be other reasons, but I'd say like 90% of the time when Bodhi was crying, I would just go through that checklist in my brain and, um, and kind of like act from there. And usually like, I was like, okay, I, I just fed him 20 minutes ago. He's not hungry. Uh, maybe he needs a diaper change. And then I would check his diaper and sure enough, it would be wet. So it was just, it was helpful to know that I think during the first week. So getting them on that three hour feeding schedule and then, um, knowing why some of the main reasons why they could be crying were, if I could go back and tell my pregnant self like things to know, like those are, those are the big ones to, to focus on. It's also important that you're keeping track of when they eat, when they pee or poop and when they sleep. That's like the big thing you're doing in those early days. At first we started with writing everything down in a journal, but one of the best hacks I found was keeping track in an app. 
that both like Brandon and I had on our phones, which just really helped us both keep organized. Like I'm sure there are probably new apps coming out all the time. So depending on when you're listening to this, there might be better ones. But Brandon and I use the app called Baby Tracker in case that is helpful for everyone. I'll link it in show notes. Um, We really relied heavily on that app for the first few weeks until we started getting him on more of a schedule. Okay. We also have to talk about obviously like the first night home when you get them home because that is another thing I feel like is such a rite of passage into parenthood is that first night home with your baby. And I've talked to so many friends. I've talked to other people who have been through this and everyone says the exact same thing. You're not sleeping that first night. Like nobody really gets a good night's sleep that first night or first few weeks, few months of that baby's life, but especially that first night, it's such a shit show. Um, And I think a big part of it is because babies a lot of the time have day and night confusion. Like if you think about about it, they've been living in your tummy. There's no like nighttime, daytime in there, you know, like they just have this day and night confusion. So one of the big resources that helped me during this time was um, taking care of babies taking Kara, like C-A-R-A babies. Um, I've talked about her back because I, I watched her newborn course when I was still pregnant and it was awesome. Like I highly, highly recommend that course. Um, it actually helped us a lot during our first week of like knowing what to do. Um, but uh, she talks a lot about like kind of fixing that day and night confusion right away. Like it's, it's something that you want to like start to do as soon as they're born. So this is another thing I kind of wanted to talk about for that. Those early, early days of having your baby. I'm going to actually link her course in show notes. So if anybody's interested, you can check it out, but I am going to tell you a couple things that helped us um, kind of fix that like day night confusion thing. So one of the biggest things is you know, keeping them up for their daytime feedings. Like you want to make sure you get all your daytime feedings in because, um, I mean, they're still going to have to eat every three hours, but, um, you want to get in like their, their appropriate amount of food during the day. And I didn't realize how hard this would be with like a newborn, newborn. Like there are so many times I would just start to feed Bodhi and he would fall asleep. Like he would just pass out, like not even get one ounce in him. Like he would just fall asleep and like then not be drinking his, you know, his meal. (laughs) So um, a trick that actually Brandon's mom gave us is like the ice cube trick where if he started to fall asleep, we would literally take an ice cube and like rub it on this poor kid's like arms and legs or like try and wake him up that way with ice cubes. Um, We would also try and feed him outside, like give him like a shot of daylight in his little face. Um, and honestly, for like the first few days, none of that shit worked. Like it took a, it took a little bit of time, um, to get him to even like stay awake for his feedings, but that's something that's, that's going to help them, um, eventually sleep at night. I kind of mentioned that sunlight trick. That's like a big thing is like, you want to get them during, like on that circadian rhythm where they know, you know, daytime sunshine, nighttime is darkness. So like for his daytime feedings, we'd like make sure he was out in the sun or, you know, in our, our living room that had like lots of sunlight in it. And then at nighttime, we'd make the room very, very dark. 
I will say about nighttime too, um, for our, our first night and really like our first six weeks of having our baby, we had him in a bassinet in our room. So this is something a lot of people are going to make different decisions on like where they want that baby to sleep their first, you know, few days of life. Um, we had, we had gotten the snoo. We got the snoo bassinet from a friend, um, which we really liked. I, I really did like that for the first few weeks of his life. Um, if anybody doesn't know the snoo, it kind of, it's like the super high tech bassinet that when they wake up in the middle of the night, it kind of helps like recreate the, the womb. It like moves, it plays noises, like white noise um, to kind of recreate the womb and help them go back to sleep. I thought it was really, really helpful. Um, I am going to have an expert on about sleep uh, later on in the season, and she actually recommends not using a snoo. We'll get into that later in the season. But I will say I really, really liked having it like for the first you know, few weeks of his life. Um, another tip that helped me with, uh, with sleep for that first week is something I read in the book, um, Bringing Up Bebe, which I mentioned uh, last season. I, I, it was one of the baby books that I liked, but one of the key tips in that book that I used was the, the, it's called lipos <laughs> using lipos, which is basically just pausing when they start crying in the middle of the night. So our baby would start crying in the middle of the night and Brandon and I would literally count to 20. We would count like one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. And we would let him cry. And a lot of the times we'd make it to like 18, 19 and he would stop. And that's because like when they're transitioning sleep cycles, like they just sometimes like don't know what to do. So they're going to fuss a little bit in between those sleep cycles. But if you give them the lay pause, a lot of the times they'll keep sleeping or they'll go back to sleep and keep going. So that was something that was very useful for us in his first week of life is using that lay pause. And obviously when 20 seconds were up and he was still crying, you know, we would get him up. We would try and, you know, do whatever. I mean, this that first week is honestly such a blur. Oh my God. The nighttime feedings. Oh my God. I'm remembering like pumping in the middle of the night. Like it was, it was a whole thing. And again, we're going to talk about it on the breastfeeding episode. Um, also with sleep, um, another thing that helps is, uh, not letting them sleep for more than two hours at a time during the day, which honestly, good luck, <laughs> you know, like, there was a lot of times Bodhi slept longer than two hours, but we would, we would try and kind of get around there. And especially like after the first week and after like the first couple weeks, I'd say we got more strict about like kind of waking him up after a two hour nap because you don't want them to sleep too long during the day. You want them to sleep longer at night. Obviously that's the goal. But anyway, I will say those, that's kind of the cliff notes for sleep, surviving sleep that first week or so and in those really really early days like just trying to get them to figure out that day and night confusion that's like the name of the game one last thing I'll talk about for the first week those early early days is kind of navigating visitors because that was that was an interesting process that first week right um I already mentioned my mother-in-law would come over like during the day. What's nice is she lives in town. So she could come over for a couple hours during the day and then like go home. You know, like it was nice having it. And actually it legitimately was really nice 
having her and having some extra hands around the house. Um, and she, again, is like was super knowledgeable. So like there'd be so many times Brandon and I would be like, like confused about something or not know what to do. And she would know what to do. Like, especially when it came to like burping our baby, like, or like him having reflux, like she just knew exactly what to do and would kind of like help us like those first few days. Um, one thing I will say, so that's, that's the kind of the, the beauty of having family that like lives close by is like they can help you and then they can go home and you have like some boundaries, you have some space. My mom, you know, doesn't live in the same state as me. So she, you know, wanted to come and help out too. And, and this is where I will say like, is going to probably be different for everybody. I think it depends on like the relationship you have with whoever's coming to help you. Um, and a lot of different dynamics, but if I could go back, I wish I didn't have my mom come right away because honestly, like those first few days, all I wanted to do, like I had just had fucking surgery. All I wanted to do was lay on the couch and hold my baby and watch Bridgerton season two. Like literally I had been waiting weeks. Bridgerton had come out like weeks before I gave birth. And I was like, I'm going to save this season for when I'm laid up on the couch postpartum. I was so excited to watch it. And of course my mom's there. My mom flies in. This is like a big deal for her. You know, she doesn't like travel that much. So she, and we don't get to see each other that much during the year. Like, especially when I was pregnant, I maybe flew to Florida like once or twice. So she wanted to like talk and she wants to hold the baby and she, you know, wants to do a lot of stuff. And, and I just wish that I, if I could go back, I would have had her come like week two because then I was a little bit more lively. And also like Bodhi was a little bit more lively, like really the first week of his life, like he just slept the whole time. And all I wanted to do was hold him. And I just like didn't love like having to give him up for other people to hold all the time. So if I could go back and do something differently, I would say I would do that. But again, I will say I'm, I'm very blessed to have a mom who wanted to come help. And she did and was, was very helpful and, and, gave us an extra set of hands around the house. I mean, it was, it was really nice. It just can also be a lot. <laughs> I don't know how any of you listening, if you've experienced that, um, but visitors that in those early days, it is a whole thing, especially during COVID times. You know, I, I had a little bit of fear about like my mom traveling on an airplane and then like coming to hold the baby right away. You know, like it's just, it's kind of weird. Oh, and I will say too, that that goes to like friend visitors. I, I kind of wanted to wait. I think I waited after the first week of his life. I think it was more like a week two thing that we started having some friends come by. Um, it's just weird. It's a different, it's an interesting time to have a baby because there is so much like extra fear around COVID and all of that. Um, I was a little nervous. I had asked the pediatrician about it and he kind of just told us, he's like, look, he's like, if you're going to have visitors over, just make sure to keep like bottles of hand sanitizer around, make sure that people use hand sanitizer before they touch your baby or that they wash your hands really good. That was really all he said about the whole thing. He's like, obviously make sure that they feel okay and they, they're not sick. Um, but that's like all you can really do. So that was kind of a weird little learning curve. I had to kind of like get more comfortable with having visitors. Um, but that is something that happens in the early days. People want to get their hands on that baby. Oh my God. I am looking at the time and I want to start wrapping this up, but we haven't even talked about our bodies and like the physical recovery aspect of that first week. 
it is something I will be talking at length about in future episodes, but I'll just say the physical recovery from birth was like insane for me. I remember feeling like I had been run over by a tractor trailer that first week. I remember the shock of seeing my body in the mirror that first week. And all I will say, I mean, I think I actually did a pretty good job of not being like too hard on myself that first time looking in the mirror. I mean, you have to know that what you see in the mirror that first time is in no way an indication of what you're going to look like. Like I know I was so swollen. I think I still looked like seven months pregnant. My tits were out of control. My body looked genuinely unrecognizable. And I actually took a picture of myself in my diaper that first week. And I'm now so happy that I did because it's actually pretty amazing to look back and just appreciate what your body goes through. And so that would be my tip. Like take a picture. I promise you, your body is not going to stay that way. Things start to go back slowly very slowly, but surely. I do remember looking at Brandon after that first week home and being like, holy shit, we survived. And now that I'm a little bit past those early days, I can tell you, any of you who are currently in it right now, like you will look back at yourself during this time and be in awe of yourself. Like you really should be so, so insanely proud. Um, you know, for making it through these early days. Like it is so hard. It is incredibly exhausting, but it is also so incredibly worth it. Like as hard as those early days are, I also feel like they are blissful. I I feel like I was just in this bliss bubble. Just every time I looked at my baby, I was just so overcome with emotion and just feeling love and joy at levels that I have never experienced in my life. I mean, if that's not motherhood in a nutshell, I don't know what is. Like, it is challenging and tiring, but it is also so, so wonderful at the same time. Guys, like I said, there is so much going on in those early days, and I know it looks different for all of us, which is why I'm bringing on a variety of guests in the next few episodes. Like, I have experts coming on to talk about breastfeeding and sleep and postpartum nutrition, pelvic floor recovery, sex, mental health all the things. So while this episode is kind of like a Cliff Notes version of a lot of stuff, I'm very excited to dive in deeper um, a lot more with you this season. So anyway, thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you're enjoying this podcast, please make sure to hit those five stars on iTunes. Maybe leave a little review if you can. It helps so much. It only takes a minute. And really the best way you can support this podcast is just to share it. Like if you have any friends who are pregnant or new moms, send them a link to the show. Word of mouth is really the number one way we grow. So thank you. As always, you can connect with me on social at Big Kid Problems or on my personal Instagram at Sarah Merrill underscore Hall. I love hearing your stories and seeing all of your bottle service babies. It honestly gives me life. So in the meantime, I will see you back here next week as we really start to dive into the fourth trimester a bit more. And until then, thanks for bumping along with me. It's a winter, but I'm